Hey, this is Josh Brenner, and you're listening to the FSF Podcast. The show where even if it's not funny, we still put it out on the line. Uh, Tim, don't you mean online? That's what I said. On the line. Online. What I said. On the line. Online. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wisdom Pond and Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give redshirt crewman number 613. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins Team Lyle in their race to be the googliest, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope. Because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his internship stipend. All right, guys, our guest today is a talented actor and voice actor who's been in some of the movies and TV shows that you've loved over the past few years. Things like Star Wars Resistance, The Internship, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Silicon Valley, and we could keep going. There's a whole lot. The Last of Us. Uh, and wow. and yeah, I know, right? And a whole bunch more. Uh, but we're very excited. I'm very excited. And, and I made uh, Nick and Kathleen be excited as well. They were already excited. Uh, to welcome. Do anything. Exactly. Nobody makes me do anything. Gosh. Exactly. <laughs> Except for my I, daughter. I annoyed the, I annoyed the girl. <laughs> Earlier this time than most evenings. All right. But we are excited. To, it is a new world record. We are well excited to welcome Josh Renner to the FSF podcast. Welcome to the madness, Josh. Hi, everybody. This is uh, this is very exciting. Welcome to our train wreck. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to say this is exciting because if I don't say this is exciting, <laughs> you know, it, it'll just seem sad. <sighs> but no, honestly, we're very excited to have you here. This has been uh, something we've been talking about a little bit here and there and just kind of like, oh, hey, we could talk about this with him and then we could talk about that with him because you do have a very cool resume, by the way. It's not just for the stuff that you've done on camera, but the stuff that you've done as a voice actor as well. And some of the stuff that you've done as a voice actor um, has been, to me, has been the coolest because I didn't recognize at first that it was you. And so that, to me, is always the cool mark of a, of a voice actor when I don't know it's that person. And so, yeah. Well, that's high um, praise indeed. Yeah. I uh, When I hear my own voice, uh, the... Uh the the level of irritation is unmistakable to me so it's nice to know that some people uh can uh, see past that or hear past it i guess as the case may be i'm really glad that i'm not the only one who doesn't like the sound of my own voice all right cool you know, you <laughs> and, y- and yet you decided to podcast yeah right i decided to, <laughs> that i should sit here and talk to people all the time he talks a lot for somebody who doesn't like the sound of his own voice well, no, because usually I'm talking to other people that I don't have to hear it come back at me. Mm, yeah. The sound of my recorded voice. Inside my head, it's wonderful. Outside of my head, that's a whole other story. And when I'm editing, I hate your voice too, Tim. So Fair enough. I'm good with What's it. What's really fun is when John's editing and all of a sudden he makes Tim's voice go backward. And he suddenly Do you like it better change. when it sounds back? When in, does it sound better to you in backwards form? Yes. You know, I've never heard it, so I'll have to check that out oh, sometime. Man. It's fun. <laughs> I think we just I'm need sure. to carry around voice inverters. <laughs> All right. So, Josh, I, I first noticed you uh, from the movie uh, called The Internship, uh, where you play the character Lyle, the intern team leader at Google. And then I, I started noticing you in other things and branching out and going, oh, hey, that's that's that guy that was in the internship. What was his name? And I went and looked you up and found out more about you and who you were and um but the, obviously the internship is not where your career started and it's not where it ended either. You've had a lot to do past that point. You've had a lot to do since 
before that point. So we're all nerds here, the three of us at least. The we're nerds. Yeah, four of us. Excellent. Four for four. I, I, four for four. Bonus. <laughs> all right. You can see in the background here. That's my uh, that's my Middle Earth map. I was gonna that's, say that uh, looks like it. That's Westeros over. Well, I don't have the weatherman thing down. That's Westeros. I think. <laughs> I don't know. There's a Marauders map in there somewhere. So yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Excellent. Nice. awesome. Very nicely done, sir. Uh, but so we're real big on origin stories over here. So we love to hear the origin stories of our hero. And tonight, you are the hero of our story. So if you don't, we don't mind, know yet. <laughs> well, we're hoping that you will be. <laughs> so we're hoping that you'll help us by telling us the origin story of one Josh Brenner. What got you into acting, and what keeps you going? Okay, I'm gonna do my best here. I'll keep it. I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, so I grew up in uh, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Uh, I played little league baseball, and then my I hurt my knee, so I did the school play, and just one of those lucky things that I think so many uh, actor kids have. Uh, just had some great teachers and mentors uh, who uh, fully indoctrinated indoctrinated me into into the world mostly of musical theater way back then, but. Uh, you know, branched out and uh, one of the, one of those uh, teachers, uh, a, one, a great friend and mentor, Larry Dockslugger, introduced me to all sorts of movies and, you know, got me hooked on Marx Brothers and, uh, nice. you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Mel Brooks and yeah, then just kept doing theater for years and years uh, through college and then moved out here to L.A. And uh, yeah, there were a couple things before uh, before the internship. I was on a show called Glory Days, a short-lived mm -hmm. TBS comedy about uh, 80s college life, and uh, was a, a bartender, a waiter, a tutor, a personal assistant, uh, did a little bit of everything, a uh, bunch of plays, and uh, yeah, started just kind of working my way around. Excellent. So what keeps you going in the world of acting? What makes you go, hey, I, I'm going to reach out for this next thing, whatever whatever that may thing might be? Mostly my mortgage. Um, but <laughs> That's I guess, helpful, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if I want to have a more uh, philosophical thing, I, I, I would say it's primarily my mortgage, secondarily that I have no other marketable skills. And uh Thirdly, uh, it's just the most fun job. I mean, when you get to do it and uh, you get to work with people who are, uh, you know, fun nerds like us, it's uh, it can just be the most fun. So getting to be on set and getting to create a character is uh, it's a blast. Excellent. That is not an answer we have been given before. We have not been told that the thing that keeps you going is your mortgage. And I love that answer because that is... <laughs> so true it's such the i mean unfortunately you know i think it's really interesting like you know mostly the conversations you hear uh with people in film and television is about you know the craft and the art mm -hmm. and the passion and all of that kind of thing and that is all a huge part of it it's why so many of us get into it but at a certain point it is also a job right, <laughs> right. i i had an acting teacher years ago who used to say you know if somebody came in and they had a script or an audition that they didn't that they weren't crazy about he'd go let's say you were a plumber when you get the call to go do somebody's toilet do you say oh well this isn't this isn't beyonce's toilet i'm turning it down <laughs> whatever the toilet is you're gonna go and uh, plunge the toilet hey well that's true a job's a job job is a job <laughs> i love that though so, I mean, talking about a job being a job and going from where you kind of started out in acting, 
doing a little bit of a time warp to one of your most recent roles, that being Murray in the first episode of The Last of Us, probably the best video game adaptation that has ever been made. And that opening scene, the 1968 opening scene, was so phenomenal. <laughs> like, I I loved it. I'm so stinking excited going into this show. I love the game. And then, like, that, show, that scene starts, and I'm like, flashback to 1968. That's weird. That's not in the game. That's, I mean, <laughs> I was expecting Last of Us, but the, the conversation about the well no you don't have to worry about viruses you don't have to worry about bacteria you have to worry about fungus and i'm like oh snap right and it was so well done and honestly when tim's like hey we're gonna talk to josh brenner and i also did the i know that name why do i know that name looked at your imdb and i'm like oh that's why i know that name i mean in addition to all of the other things in there it was the most recent one (laughs) But as you've already mentioned, and I'm rambling, you are a nerd. So are you also a gamer? And if so, platform, favorites, and how much did you know about The Last of Us universe going into that amazing role that isn't even in the universe to begin with? All wonderful questions. Uh, so I was more of a gamer in my like high school, college years and was very much a like Nintendo side of things. Like probably mm-hmm. have my 10,000 hours of like Super Smash Brothers Melee, um, Mario Kart, you know, these nice. these are kind of my and then, you know, really my systems really were, you know, like I'm going to really date myself here, but, uh, you know, the game cubes of the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and give or take a couple. Uh, so I have not spent as much time in these sort of like modern, uh, modern era of like very intense, very film worthy, uh, video games. So I'm aware, I was very much aware of last of us because, uh, just friends of mine who are like, it's the best thing ever and like not just as a video game just as like a piece of story it is just magnificent Mm -hmm. but I have been so excited for the show before I worked on it that I was like okay I'm gonna avoid anything about the game I'm not gonna play because I just want to like be able to watch the show and I know that Mm -hmm. there are twists and turns coming that I don't know about so uh I'm excited to just kind of like watch the show and be a fan of it um but yeah being in that scene was so fun Craig Mazin who is the one of the who is the showrunner and directed mm-hmm. that and a bunch of other things? He's known for Cherno- Chernobyl, which if you guys haven't seen that, it is worth your mm-hmm. time. Um, uh, he's gen- he's a genius. He's the the smartest, funniest, uh, most talented guy. And he just kind of was like telling me about that scene. He's like, yeah, the show used to start with this like it was going to start with like a kind of like a National Geographic special where you'd like see the ant with its brain being kind of like poisoned by the fungus. I'm like, that's kind of what we're going to do. He's like, but I felt like, like with the pandemic, we just like needed to do something else with it. So I kind of just whipped this up and totally agree. It just like sets the table. It's such a brilliant, cool, eerie way. Um, And yeah, it was so fun to get to, to get to be a part of it. Yeah. It was so cool. And like going into it with the, I know how the game starts. I know how the show, I know how the show is going to go. I mean, it's the storyline of the game. I know the ending. I mean, that's going into it. It was the, okay, well, they're not going to surprise me that much. And then to start with the 1968 thing, and especially post-pandemic, that is, well, sort of post-pandemic. It's still here. It's not, but it is. And it's complicated. Yeah. But 
going into it with the, oh, you don't have to worry about viruses. You don't have to worry about bacteria. And I'm like, that's literally what we're dealing with every day right now is a virus. And the, no, you have to worry about fungus. And just the way that that line is delivered. And it was that moment of the, oh, oh, that is, that is setting up a whole new level of fear with this. And then the flashback to like the beginning of the, the outbreak in, um, was that episode two? I don't remember. Episode two or episode mm-hmm. three, mm-hmm. where it yep. was the the epidemiologist looking at it with the, well, why did you prepare this as a human sample? That's a fungus. Yeah. Funguses don't grow in humans. It's like, oh, but they do. Like, my husband doesn't watch the show with me, and then I start geeking out about it. And he's like, I love that this makes you happy. <laughs> like, this is how you feel when I, when he starts like <clears throat> talking about guitars and amps and stuff. And I'm like, okay. I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. Smile and nod, smile and nod, <laughs> right? smile and nod. Well, and it's that like the the audio clip from Finding Nemo with the, I have no idea what you're saying. It's like he's trying to speak to me. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> On a daily basis. <laughs> Sorry. Rambling. It's okay. So we really love ourselves some really good stories. And one of the stories that like that's why we like entertainment but one of the stories we don't often get to hear are these stories that happen on set like the behind the scenes and like being an actor is like the only job where you can actually talk about work and it be okay uh, so what were some things um that has happened behind the set that you thought were absolutely hilarious or just some fun times any any particular thing or just anything i've ever worked on kind of like behind the scenes i'm personally thinking like the internship uh but i'm sure we'd love to hear anything from like the last of us or or anything else that just stood out to you as like this was comedy gold but no one's ever gonna get to hear this story oh man so many so many things um the first one that jumped to mind was actually one from silicon valley which uh was just one of the strangest experiences we were uh, i can't even remember what season it was maybe two or three we were shooting at uh a marina here in la maybe maybe down in long beach and we were on a boat and uh just kind of like you know parked at at the dock and just kind of like you know rocking back and forth and we're in the middle of a of a scene and i become super distracted in a very unprofessional way because <laughs> behind uh thomas middleditch's head in the water i'm watching like a full-on like nature film unwrapping unraveling before my eyes because <laughs> there's like a sea lion or a, a seal i i did not get his name or number so i can't be for certain uh which which it was uh who was like had a fish but a bird like a seagull had swooped down and was also going for the fish so there's like this land, sea, air battle going on during this take where there's like the fish is like flying in the air and the bird's snatching it and dropping it and the sea lion's jumping out of the water. And I just <laughs> lost it. And I think Thomas and I started improvising a whole thing. We added the sea lion as a character. We started, you know, throwing lines his way. And obviously 
totally unusable didn't make any sense uh was uh w- would not have ever worked on the show but man did we laugh it was so cra- it was just like one of those things that you could never predict would happen and <laughs> right and i was could just never so- planned for that <laughs> no of course i mean and and That's you awesome. and, and i was just praying that there was a camera on it but it turns out they were facing the wrong direction so <laughs> was never never saw the light of day but man i'll never forget it, it was so so crazy have been like what in the world is that (laughs) (laughs) um and then very cool let's see what can i tell you about the internship it's a long time ago the internship was almost 10 years ago i think uh yeah it was i think it was Um, uh yeah 2016 was it feels like i just watched it yesterday well, it might, might, oh. might have been airing on TBS. Very funny. <laughs> uh, we did. We had so much fun on that movie. Um, it was a, a, a few of us. It was kind of our first real movie. Any of we'd been in and uh, we were all in Atlanta. It was kind of like being at summer camp. We were, and then we were literally on a college campus and for most of it. And then we got to go to Google. And if, if for those of you that have not been to Google, it is a a really fun place to be if you don't have to work. Uh, there's, you know, bowling alley and volleyball courts and lap pools with self-generating currents. I mean, it is kind of like a kind of like a playground. I'm sure it isn't for the employees who spend their lives there, but for us, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure. And that movie was 10 years ago. It was 2013. Oh, wow. ah. okay. Yeah, we shot it. Yeah, summer of 2012. Crazy. <laughs> That makes wow. me feel old. That is forever. <laughs> One of the other reasons I wanted to talk with you, Josh, is that you play a character named Niku, a lovable guy who takes everything quite literally on the Star Wars Resistance show. It's an animated series set in the sequel trilogy era. So I have a standard question that I ask anyone who's ever been involved with anything Star Wars because I am a huge Star Wars fan. Um, most of my Funko Pops behind me are almost all Star Wars uh, out of the three that are brand new on the bo- in the boxes down below me that I haven't put up on the shelves yet, two of them are Star Wars. I got Qui-Gon Jinn yesterday. Ooh. Anyway. Congratulations. I'm very excited about that one. He was a hard one to find. Uh, the Amazon exclusive one, anyway. Yes, your, your current era Beanie Babies. Yeah. Shush. Anyway. <laughs> so my, my standard question for anybody who's been involved in anything Star Wars is... Were you a fan before working in the universe? And if so, what was your entry point into the universe? Where you be say, this is where I became a fan. Oh, I mean, I can't even remember when I started loving Star Wars because of my, as far back as I can remember, I was watching the original trilogy with my brother. My, I have two older brothers, uh, five and eight years older than me. So they were fans. I mean, we had like, the toys when we had the millennium mm-hmm. falcon when we were kid i mean like huge huge fan growing up went to all the um the uh episode one two three like midnight screenings nice uh to see them in theaters um yeah i mean life lifelong fan so um the way i got involved with star wars animated series is because on the internship uh tia sorkar who played what was sabine her name? She, sabine well, yeah so in in star wars rebel she's sabine wren in the internship i think her character's name was neha anyways yeah um she and i have been friends since we worked on that movie together um she's the best 
And yeah, she started doing Rebels and knew what a huge Star Wars fan I was uh, from our time working together. Uh, my my character in internship has this whole kind of like, like a little bit of Star Wars kind of nerdery, but a, I got to improvise a lot of stuff about Star Wars just because I am a Star Wars nerd. Um, nice. So while she was working on Rebels, she would tell Dave Filoni regularly, like, you got to bring Josh in to do a role on the show. Like, he's such a huge Star Wars fan and like he would die. Like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And she would tell me this for, I mean, literally years. She was telling me, like, I was talking you up to Dave. I was like, OK, I'm like really ready, <laughs> like anytime. <clears throat> and then eventually he did put me in a like a tiny role in Rebels. Right. Uh, as a. Uh, the role is Erskine Semaj, which I uh, eventually was told is uh, was like one of the execs or designers names backwards. It was James. Wait, I can't do it in my head, but <laughs> James somebody. <laughs> um, so I had like, you know, a handful of lines talking as uh, Mon Mothma's uh, senatorial attache. Uh, which was very exciting because those records are so fun. You you always do them as a group and or back in the day you did, I guess. Now I don't I'm not sure. Um, uh, but everybody would go in as a group and all these people I was such huge fans of, these amazing voice actors like D. Bradley Baker. Right. Um, and uh, well, I could list a lot of people, but some awesome, awesome people. Um, and yeah, just to like I'd mostly just sat there and like listened and marveled and then got to say a few lines uh which was fun and then yeah when um when they were starting to to work on resistance uh i got to have a little bit more uh to do on that but yeah i've done a little like a clone wars here a clone wars there a rebels there and then you know mm -hmm. the the two seasons we had of uh resistance which was just a blast it was so fun getting to be in that universe yeah that's awesome because now for me personally if i I'm not a voice actor, so the, the chances of that ever happening are, are slim, none, and zero. And I recognize that. But if, for whatever reason, you know, I ever got an opportunity to do that, you would have to pinch me like three times for me to be able to get started just to say the lines because, A, I'm doing something in Star Wars that's actually real Star Wars. And then, B, I'm with all, like you just said, all these wonderful voice actors and all these people who you look up to you admire the work that they've done the efforts that they've put in to help create this this you know wonderful nerdiverse that i'm such a massive fan of i would literally just be sitting there like no it's okay you guys go ahead and read i'm i'll be fine you know <laughs> it's totally how you were with our interview with sam Whitwer. it was how i was with sam Whitwer. yes i <laughs> i had yeah there was some serious fanboying i had to work around on that um understandable understandable so. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. It got so much worse when we put Sam through a Star Wars quiz and he destroyed it. It was oh, multiple good. choice and he didn't even need the multiple he choice. He barely let us wow. finish the questions. Oh man, that's pressure too. <laughs> but that, that was a really funny thing about um about the Rebels cast. Uh I think I won't name names, but somebody in that cast did not, I think, know a ton about star wars and it was just like <laughs> you know this is fun like i'm doing this job and then they you know go to cons or whatever and people would ask them stuff and they'd be like oh i have no i have no idea i don't even i don't know what you just said those words mean nothing <laughs> is that a thing that's really a thing okay <laughs> that's real i thought they were lying to me oh man mm -hmm. it's all my nuke to me 
So Josh, having done both screen work and voiceover work, as well as stage productions, it's not entirely uncommon for performers uh, that we've talked to specifically, they talk about having developed a preference for stage versus voiceover. Um, but do you have a preference or what have you learned from your voiceover work that translates into your on-screen roles and vice versa? I'm sure it goes both ways. Oh, that is such a great question. Um, in terms of preference, the, look, voiceover work is so nice because it you can mostly do it from home. Uh, and when you do go in, it's like a very comfortable air conditioned environment, uh, mm. <laughs> with, you know, snacks and couches and, and, you know, no hair or makeup, no wardrobe. It's just such, it's just pure, easy fun. Like it really is. And, you know, being on set, it's just a, it's just a lot more demanding. It's way more time. It's, uh, uh, long days it's a lot of waiting around you know that's just the nature of the beast but I like both a lot I'm gonna take a cop-out answer I I really I'm I'm so grateful for voiceover work because over the pandemic that was sort of all there was and from the my little hobbit hole uh <laughs> under the house I was able to to work and see people online and not go completely crazy because there was um so little going on um, while still wearing sweatpants to totally mm -hmm. totally while still wearing sweatpants um so yeah it's like i don't know it's voiceover work is is truly such a dream and a gift i'm so grateful for it um if you put a gun in my head and made me choose i'd probably still choose to to be on camera just because <laughs> uh you know getting to use all the tools instead of just mm -hmm. your voice is uh it's a little it's it's a little more freeing you know you can you can communicate some things that you can't always communicate when somebody else is doing the drawing for you um although they usually do a better job than i could ever do with my stupid face so what can i tell you um but i like to try um in terms of things that i've learned um i do definitely find that since doing more voiceover work when i start working on a character i'll not necessarily like do a voice but get an idea in my head of how they sound mm -hmm. i think is is a lot of times like where a starting point will be for me since i've started doing uh so much voiceover work um and it is uh it's just like a helpful way to like kind of key in lock into a character's like what does this person sound like oh okay if they sound like this then you know maybe they you know have a facial expression like this and uh the th the, another thing that's so nice about voiceover work is like you know when you're on camera you have to you're supposed to i'm not always good at it but be really subtle with your facial expressions and motion and movement but when you're in the booth and nobody's looking at you you can sort of do whatever you want to make that voice come out and that's a it's always really fun to like you know <laughs> kind of be like yelling and screaming and uh doing silly stuff with your hands because nobody can see it so so i have a question so you <laughs> said on camera you're not supposed to like be expressive this i, I guess I wouldn't put it quite that way, but uh, with, you have to be okay. much more subtle, right, with all of okay. your uh, movements and expressions, especially if, like, the camera's in a real close-up or something. Like, really, the name of the game really is stillness and uh, really just doing the work kind of, like, with your eyes and, you know, well, yeah, with your eyebrows. <laughs> it is yeah, sort of a less is more 
Okay. Scenario. Totally. Exactly. Well put. Yes. Way better put than I was uh, <laughs> doing the job that I was doing. And I come from theater. So theater, it's the opposite, right? It's like, right. you know, get it to the back row, like project it out there, you know, and it's just a, a totally different, uh, a totally different uh, kind of work. Um, and uh, voiceover is uh, kind of in the middle, which, uh, which I like. Usually we all have something that is close and dear to our hearts. What was a project that is close and dear to your heart that didn't get a whole lot of love, but you wish had gotten more attention? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, a movie called The Front Runner um, from a few years back, uh, starring Hugh Jackman. Uh, he was playing uh, Gary Hart, who ran for president in the 80s. And uh, it's a really fascinating story. It's a Jason Reitman directed the movie. And it's a really interesting story about uh, kind of like the first political scandal that uh, tanked, a, tanked a career and how that <laughs> happened in politics and the media and how it played out uh, kind of at that time and what that how that kind of affected politics moving forward, you know, when it stopped being about ideas and uh uh policy and started you know becoming about this sort of other thing and per personalities and scandals and all this kind of stuff anyways that's uh, a long ramble point is i love the movie it was one of my favorite things i've ever worked on some of my closest friends now i made working on that movie and uh yeah i loved it and for whatever reason it just didn't quite get uh, the attention. I, I think there was a lot of election fatigue at the time and a lot of politics fatigue at the time. And it just uh, kind of flew a little bit under the radar, but I think it's great. And I'm so proud to be in it. Uh, and uh, I, I hope, I hope people find it. So take a look. Yeah. Well, I know I'll check it out. So, well, yeah, because especially because I remember that political <clears throat> scandal when I was a kid, you know, and I, I, I remember hearing about it. I remember, uh, you know, being such a big deal. And uh, yeah, I will definitely, I would definitely check that out. So yeah, it's, glad you, it's glad you mentioned was, that. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Uh, it's it's such a fascinating story that is such a big moment in, in politics. But, you know, there is kind of that like, oh, yeah, I sort of remember. I sort of remember that. But it's kind of a footnote now. Um, but I think, you know, the movie does a good job of saying like, no, this was actually a it was a pivotal was moment, mammoth. even though people don't don't really remember it. Remember it? Yeah, it was, it was mammoth in the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So check all it out. Right, cool. It just got um, overwhelmed by all of the other political scandals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's well, that's what's so interesting about it. It's like it's so quaint now, right? You you look back at that and like it was such a big deal. Now it wouldn't even it wouldn't even tame today. It wouldn't even make a. <laughs> It wouldn't even make the pay the the back page of the papers. Uh, it's like the, in this day and the age. first time I watched Hamilton, and they're talking about the fact that he had an affair and he's never going to be president. And I'm like, yeah, oh, so much has changed. Yeah. In the rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you play Donatello or Donnie, as he's referred to in that version of the story, mm. a character that's been voiced by other great voiceover legends like Barry Gordon and the amazing Rob Paulson, former guest, a former guest of our that's show. That's right. As well. yeah, 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 yeah. So what does it mean to you to be able to lend your voice to such a beloved franchise like TMNT, but also to follow in the footsteps of, you know, these legends who have done the voice before you? Well, I certainly 
stand on their shoulders because I can't hold a candle to them. We were very lucky that Rob Paulson was our voice director for mm-hmm. Rise of the TMNT. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a little intimidating <laughs> saying, you know, Donatello Limes uh, to Rob Paulson. Uh <laughs> But he is, as you guys know, is such a wonderful human being and so supportive, so fun to be around. And, you know, so steeped in the history of the franchise, could just tell us stories and mm-hmm. and had he had such a gratitude for what it meant to not only to him, but to fans and what, you know, like the family of those four turtles means to so many people and you know, he has so many stories about just kids who, you know, were going through tough times that would tell him how much, you know, Ninja Turtles got them through tough times. And mm-hmm. he was such a great leader in that way of letting us know what we were, uh, what we were being a part of, uh, a rather small part, it turned out, but, uh, you know, part of that, that deep, deep history. And, um, yeah, it was surreal. Like uh, the first couple times we got to see animation with our voices coming out of the turtles, I know we all were kind of like, "Whoa!" I mean, I, <laughs> like in addition to being a, a Star Wars fan growing up, I mean, I I was a huge Ninja Turtles like geek, and Donnie was my guy. Like I was oh, always better. I was always a purple bow stick guy, and uh, and yeah, it was just I mean the most fun. I mean, it's just. Yeah, that that is one. I uh, a friend of mine who uh, wrote uh, on the show ran the writers' room. Tony Tony Gamalobo. He and I will text each other regularly and be like, "Man, we did not realize how awesome that was while we got to do that because <laughs> it was fun and we had a blast." But you just don't realize. I mean, to get to play in that sandbox is just the coolest. That's cool. So doing the time warp once again because that's how it goes. Looking at your future projects, IMDb lists three projects currently in post-production. Okay. Carry on, The Patience of Vultures, and Old Dads. Ah, okay. I don't know how accurate IMDb is. It is the Wikipedia of the entertainment world. Pretty good. Pretty good in this case, yeah. Hey, so the first two are listed as thrillers, and Old Dads is listed as a comedy. Which I, again, IMDb is not... Completely accurate. It wasn't a thriller behind set. (laughs) (laughs) So, first of all, feel free to plug those films as much as you like. But with all of the different projects you've been a part of across all of these different genres, I mean, having worked in Ninja Turtles universe, having worked in the Star Wars universe, is there still anything that you keep as a dream project or something that you're shooting for? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll circle back to those uh, those uh, coming soon projects, but yes. uh, yeah, it's uh, Harry Potter's the is the dragon. I uh, yeah yeah, there are dragons in Harry Potter. Is the dragon wow. I'm chasing? Um, uh, <laughs> years ago, I'm, I mean, of all of my nerd obsessions, uh, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Turtle, Harry Potter might be number one. Uh, it's just one of my favorite things in the world, and okay. Uh, and when they were, when they were casting Fantastic Beasts, um, Mm -hmm. I just was like begging and pleading anyone who would listen to, to audition for it. I like, I I like made a big deal and 
That's <laughs> so embarrassing. And I, <laughs> so eventually I got an audition for, for Fantastic Beasts and like got way too dressed up, like put on like a kind of an old timey suit and like did a, like a whole hair thing. Like it was just, like really, and then was like walking around the Warner Brothers lot looking like a true crazy person, ran into people <laughs> I knew who really had a laugh. Um, and of course didn't get the job. But uh, but months later, I guess months later when they were still casting kind of smaller roles in it, I was going to London uh, with my family and I again was like yelling at any of my agent type people who would, I was like, please let me meet whoever's casting in London. Like I just want to meet the people so that I can, please, please anything. So I got off of a red eye, went straight to an audition that was like a three line audition to be like, an elf or something or or there were two it was like one was like to be an elf and then the other was to be like a tour guide at the ministry of magic or something Mm -hmm. like nothing like nothing tiny roles like basically you know featured background or something and i went and met the casting director and i read for her and she's like oh that's lovely and then i apparently they i apparently got the job to to be in like a, a, a half of a scene of of fantastic beast and i was so excited and they were like well, just you know, like you're gonna have to fly yourself to London and put yourself up to do this like two line. I was like, nope, done. Not even a question. Like, ha- absolutely, <laughs> don't care. Whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> there goes my mortgage. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, however, I don't know how much this job is gonna cost me, but I'll pay it. Um, there you go. And um, they did not expect me to to say that. It turns out because when. <laughs> They actually looked into it. They were like, um, you're not, you're a U.S. citizen. We literally, we can't hire you no! to be in London, to work as a London hire in, in the U.K. Oh! So they gave it to me and then took it away. And I'm, I'm still, I'm still hurting. I'm still hurting. Um, this close. Th- yes. Within, within a golden snitch's wing Man. of it. Um, so still chasing that for sure. I'm sure there are there are more projects coming though. I mean, I assume the universe, universe will keep on uh, expanding, but the problem is I'm just so mm. very not British, um, which makes it harder. But the Fantastic Beasts, it's like oh, it's gonna it's America. I can do it. Right. It's gonna be in New York. It'll be fine. Yeah, no luck, no luck. Footage wasn't enough in internship. Inter, I guess yeah, didn't do it. Oh, are you saying was the Harry yeah, Potter references? Yeah. In- that was the best. It was so fun. We actually played to practice for shooting that day. We actually played some Quidditch uh, uh, like the weekend before. And oh my God, I had the best time. <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> so fun. Uh, but no, I want to be in the real thing. I want to. Like, I, I have no idea what Quidditch is. <laughs> I need you all to use your muggle words. No, I know what Quidditch is. I, I saw it in. Uh... In the I internship, saw, I saw it in the internship. I know exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, Tim, come on! Let's get, what, what do I have to do to get you into a Harry Potter today? Uh, well, I just you have got to a better my HBO login. I think that's about probably it. Probably have a better <laughs> chance of that than me watching a musical. Let's put it that way. Oh, what if no. they did a Harry Potter musical? Oh what, God! The, the Harry the Harry Potter stage show is amazing. I've heard. Oh, it's so good. It's really cool. I they may have condensed it now. When I saw it, I saw it in New York and it was uh like it's like a two, two it's a four 
it's a four act play basically. So you do two full shows of it. It's like a two act with an intermission and then another two act with an intermission. Man, so fun. I loved it. Why do you hate Harry Potter, Tim? Why do you actually, why do you hate why do you hate fun? <laughs> actually, I don't why do you hate, Harry hate joy. I hate musicals. I don't hate Harry Potter. I just never got into it. So Okay. What about your kids? Your, your kids were the wrong ages for it, I think is part of it. No. Uh I I you know, I don't I don't think they got into it because I wasn't into it. I never was really watching my kids plus and I don't know how this happened, but I raised two redneck boys who um we live out in the country and and they're they're more interested in outdoor stuff and you know cars and you know steel-toed boots and whatever that you know but uh which is hilarious because that's so not you it's the complete opposite of me which is even funnier to me because we we don't we're not really sure where this came from but it's like nerd you know nature took over because it was definitely not the nurture and the nurture was like here here honey this is what star wars looks like so <laughs> so josh our facebook group has over two hundred and ten thousand members um and it is just memes mixed with memes it's this universe that universe like you know how that goes um so what live action character that you've played and what voice over character that you've played would you like to see come together and to create a story with wow wow okay I'm gonna have to think for a second. Do Take we have time. hold? Do we have hold music? Okay. So a voice, a character, a voice coming into contact with a with a live action character I've played, and putting them together in a yeah. in a new mashup. Okay. All right. Well, I think I will take. I think I'm going to take the easy road and go Donnie uh, just because of his dry snark, which I think and his dry snark and nerdiness. And I think he would get along with, I don't know if any of you guys have seen the show mythic quest, uh, but I played a, a character on, I played a young version of CW Longbottom, which is um, mm -hmm. uh, F Murray Abraham's character. I, pl I played a young version of him. Uh, again, a nineteen like nineteen seventies uh, kind of thing, uh, and I think those two together would be a real a real duo, a real duo. I could see that. I could see that. That would work. I don't know what would happen, but I, I think it would be fascinating. <laughs> awesome. All right. Very cool. Well, Josh, we're at a stage in our show where one of two things happens: we either take our guest through a quiz, which we mentioned earlier that one like Sam Witwer utterly destroyed or B we ask our guests a silly question. And tonight we're taking easy road out. We're going to ask you a silly question and mainly because my spirits can't handle another quiz of getting destroyed. So here's where we're at. What's invisible, but you wish people could see. What's invisible? Is this a riddle? Is there a no, right answer? No, no, or no. There's no a, right answer. This is you an esoteric ask... thought journey. Yep. You can be as silly or serious with this as you like. What's invisible, but I wish people could see? Or we could even flip that around. What's something that's visible that you wish people couldn't see? 
Oh, that would be fun too. Okay. Wow, you guys are really, really making me think today, which is one of my <laughs> least favorite things to do. Wait till we ask why you're, why are you creative? Terrible question. It is. Okay. I'm gonna get this is get this is a stupid answer. We like stupid. This is where a I live. Stupid answer. I wish people could see science more mm. because I think sometimes like like you sort of see science, right? Like you use your phone and you're like, oh, like there's some kind of like science here. Like you could take a medicine. You're like, yeah, there's some kind of science here. But like the actual science is pretty opaque, right? Like we don't, the average person doesn't really have an understanding of Things how. Things just appear. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, like literally like yeah. all of the world's information just beams down into my device and I don't really have a concept of how that works. Yeah, I get but you. People don't really understand science <laughs> and that enables people to pick and choose when science applies and when science doesn't and whether we like science or whether we think science is evil and I think if we could all see science a little more clearly and it was a little more front and center, then maybe we would all make better decisions. Maybe the you last know? three years wouldn't have been as painful. Gotcha. Okay. I, mean, I think one of my favorite. Anything else, but how about the next 50 years might be a little less painful. <laughs> right. No, I agree. Yeah. You're spot on. You can literally see the virus like floating towards you. Be like, no. <laughs> Don't want you. Bingo. But I personally would love to see like, okay, I just ate this. I want to see it in my stomach being broken down into like the separate molecules and like, what's it going to do with this part? And what's it going to do with this? Like, like just there's so many parts in like a chicken leg and it yeah. just gets I mean, broken down. And I mean, there is an article you can read about Dr. Beaumont and his experiments on uh, Alex St. Martin after he got shot in the stomach and the wound didn't heal and he watched the digestive process. But that's not quite the same. I'm still going to take a like... pass on that. <laughs> oh, it's actually super cool. And it, it happened on Mackinac Island. And like, there's a, I'm still going to take a, there's hard a museum pass about it on the island and everything. It's really cool. Awesome part of Michigan history. Hard pass. <laughs> but also in. really cool because this wound didn't heal so then he could watch the stomach acid digesting this guy's food like whoa hmm. oh would you look at the time we got a thing to catch okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean that guy survived being shot in the stomach way longer than he should have and then dr beaumont kind of used him as an experiment it... hmm. really all right i'm on board and now there's beaumont hospitals because of this guy is that where that name comes yes, from yes that is where that name came from <laughs> That's slightly disturbing. <laughs> Don't worry, you can come Oh, here now that's what's disturbing about it. Okay. <laughs> he made your, such... your wounds won't heal, but we get to watch. <laughs> he made such huge like progress in the understanding of stomach issues, though. And so now there's Beaumont Hospitals because of a bank robbery, you know, a general store robbery gone wrong. Hmm. Or gone right. Right? Depends on which side of the body you're shot on. 
we totally need to like link the article when we put this episode up so people can go and read this incredible part of Michigan history that Kathleen is going to nerd out about. Welcome to the FSF podcast and your bit of stomach digestion education. There's a museum you can go so, look at. Anyway. So Josh, thank you so much for being on our show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and your works? Gosh, I am a uh, social media Luddite uh, phobe, uh, so I have nowhere to direct you, unfortunately, other than, <laughs> I guess, Google. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, but uh, as Kathleen mentioned, um, uh, I'll be in a movie called Carry On. Uh, it's going to be on Netflix. That'll be at some point soon. Old Dads is a Bill Burr comedy. Uh, that I'm in that'll be coming out all I don't know at some point soon I think and um, I just finished a movie um, that'll be announced soon about uh, a uh, crypto heist so uh, a couple things uh, on the horizon and then uh, uh, on the- all right we can encourage people to look you up on IMDb as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry I uh, I'm useless when it comes to the internet which is just ironic <laughs> right <laughs> online <laughs> on the line no, i'm not on the line uh well we will still link the imdb and remind our our listeners and our viewers when in doubt google it there send them go. to the googs we'll send them yeah. to the googs. it'll be fine googs you're it all right guys we want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to help our show continue to grow and get amazing guests like josh brenner here today that we get to have these amazing conversations and so much fun with. So please subscribe. It helps more than we really can ever tell you. And we do appreciate your subscription. But also, you're going to want to go check out Josh's work. Go check out that list on IMDb. Look at all the movies he's done, all the TV shows he's done. There is something out there that of his that you have not seen that you will enjoy. I guarantee you that. Josh has done some amazing work over the years. But over for whatever reason, if you're not happy with the content of our show today, Please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is Niku from Star Wars Resistance. Sure, he's a super nice guy and he wants to be everybody's friend. And that's actually where the danger comes in. If you send in your complaint form, he's going to want to be your friend, too, even if that means he's not exactly being a friend to us at the same time. So knowing that Niku is going to handle your complaint and your request for discipline for the offending parties, we simply ask that your request uh that in your request rather that you decide to be nice because although niku is nice his inability not to take things literally is going to be the death of one of us or all of us depending on how many of us you think screwed up (laughs) thanks again josh (laughs) thank you josh we really appreciated your time tonight oh super fun to be with y'all uh have a great weekend and uh thanks for having me Thank you. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us. Goodbye. Ciao. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF podcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF podcast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2023 FSF Podcast. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by FSF Podcast. 
The views expressed by the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at info at fsfpodcast.com. Original music by Jordan Michaels.